Welcome to Let's Talk Law, the Law Careers podcast for students at King's College London. I'm Caroline Lintner, one of the careers consultants for the Dixon Poon School of Law, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Mira Patel, and let me tell you a little bit more about her. Mira graduated from the King's LLB and LLM in 2009 and 2010, respectively. She is a business strategy advisor, lawyer, author and speaker, and was the first person in her family to go to university. Mira qualified as a solicitor, age 24 at Latham and Watkins, and following qualification, she took a unique entrepreneurial approach to her legal career. This includes in 2015, being one of the first client facing corporate lawyers at EY, and in 2017, co-founding EY's Brexit strategy unit. In 2018, she moved to Deloitte and led Legal Brexit Insights, and she's currently a director at Deloitte, advising on corporate restructuring and reorganization strategies. Finally, Mira has recently written a book, Get Into Law, which sets out her personal blueprints to empower students who are aspiring solicitors. Please note, for the purpose of this podcast, all views expressed are individual and not affiliated to any employer. Mira, welcome to Let's Talk Law. It's fantastic to have you here today. Hi, Caroline. So my very first question to you, and I, I mentioned this in the introduction, but you did the LLB and also an LLM at King. So tell us about your experience of studying at our wonderful institution. I had a wonderful time at King's. Um, I think like many of the students listening to this podcast, it was my first time away from home. Um, in the big city of London with all of the adventures that entails. So that was you know, incredible. And then in terms of extracurricular, I was involved in the King's Dance Society. I played hockey. Um, I was first year representative of the Law Society, which you know allowed me to help organize the law ball. And then I think the, the one of the best things about King's was that it gave me and I only really realized this in hindsight is that it gave me a network of international friends. And I think prior to joining Kings, I grew up in South London and I just had a lot of friends from South London. And when I came to Kings, I ended up having friends from all around the world, which, you know, are still my friends today, 15 years later. So, yeah, I had a great time. And it's that global family, which, you know, on a regular basis, I am reminded of and amazed by, actually, and the richness that that brings to to all of our alumni. Um, but what attracted you to law? And I guess as a follow up to that, you know, why did you do an LLM after your LLB? So um, why did I do law? I um, so when I was younger, so when I was at school, I really enjoyed reading biographies which I think my parents found a little strange, but I loved reading. Um, I loved reading like Nelson Mandela, Long Walk to Freedom. I read Bill Clinton's biography in my life. And I remember reading these books and realizing that, you know, these are people who were agents of change and, and law underpinned a lot of that. And I wanted to, and I wanted to be an agent of change and I wanted to empower myself to, to go on that journey for my life. And I think I was really attracted to law um, just just for you know very simple reasons like that and then the reason why I chose then to do an LLM after the LLB I guess two reasons the first was that I I actually was a year ahead at school which meant that I actually joined King's when I was 17 
So when I got to the end of my degree, I felt like I had another year to give, like I had another year in it, in education. Um, so I thought, well, you know, it would be great to stay at King's and, and, and learn more. Um, and then I think the second reason was I'd also, by that point, um, secured a training contract at a US law firm that specialised in, in finance, primarily leverage finance. And I wanted to learn more about finance just generally, just my own knowledge. So I think those were the, the two reasons. Um, the LLM was a lot harder than the LLB. It's a big step up, um, isn't it? It was a big step up, but I'm really glad I did it. And and again, it again it exposed me to a great network of people, um, and a, and a lot of stuff that um, is very useful in terms, you know, financial knowledge and things like that. Mm, absolutely. Um, and I'm sure. Well, I do know there are lots of our current LLM students have. have, have similar reasons for why they've chosen to do their courses. Um, now I know that you cover this in, in certain chapters in your book, but for those listeners who don't have the book or don't get to have the book, um, how did you approach your career search during your studies, Mira? So yes, in my book I actually describe the trials and tribulations behind my career search and what results is that there is a winning formula to, to approaching your career search something which I wished someone had told me straight out the gate. And that winning formula is a combination of knowing yourself and researching the market. And together you can go into your career search in a much stronger way. So essentially knowing yourself is about understanding what you like and what you want from, from, from a working environment. So. Do you like small firms, big firms? I knew that I wanted something dynamic, fast paced, entrepreneurial. You know, that might not be for everyone. Um, and then market research is in really intentionally going into the recruitment market and understanding what's available, what's on offer, what every firm has to offer. And then as you put those two things together, as in yourself plus your research, what's out there, you can actually go into the, the career search with intentionality and with direction. And I think that is is a, is a winning formula and something that that I learned through trial and tribulation when I was, you know, 18, 19 years old. So yeah, for every one of your listeners that's listening, I would say that that that's the key. And um, yes, my my entire methodology is in my book for anyone who is interested in more of that. Yeah. And I like that word intentionality. I think that's a really powerful way of looking at all of this and and knowing yourself and getting to know yourself. And of course, being at university and doing degrees is, is all part of that, isn't it? So tell us about your training contract experience. I mentioned that you you trained at Latham and Watkins. Um, really interested to know what the reality of working for a major commercial law firm is, because that's something, again, that some of our students might hear about or feel they know about. But I imagine it's not probably until you're actually in it that you could really reflect back on it. Yeah, I think that's true, Caroline. Um, there's nothing like real life experience. I um, yeah, so I, I I went to Latham and Watkins, and you know I was I was very young. I think before then I'd had lots of part time jobs while at university, while at university, and then before. But this was sort of my first, I guess, real job in the city, and it was yeah, it was a baptism by fire. It was um, it was an incredible experience. Like I met some very intelligent people. Um, some really interesting cutting edge work. I'd say, you know, especially in the US law firms, the hours can be really long. And I think you need a certain amount of stamina to, to keep up with that. 
with that pace and, and the long hours. Um, I'd say the realities are that, you know, you're, you're going to go on a learning curve of understanding your firm, the work, um, you know, repetitively doing things until you can perfect that that thing. Um, and yeah, I think it's it's a great training ground. I think the training contract is one of, you know, the greatest um, graduate schemes out there because you do get a lot of individual focus, especially if you are part of a smaller um, cohort. So, um, yeah, I think the realities are, look, it's hard work, but it can be incredibly rewarding at the same time. And then you decided, which some people might be thinking, why did you do that? Or, you know, that's an incredibly brave thing to do. Um, you left Latham and Watkins at the end of your training contract. So you, you'd attained that qualification as a solicitor and you decided I'm leaving the firm. So why, Mira? Talk us through that thought process that you had a decision, because it does sound like a very brave thing to do. Yeah, and in, in hindsight, I look back and I think, you know, that was so brave, but but so true to to who I am. And I think it goes back to your earlier question, Caroline, is that, you know, when you're applying and, and you, you don't quite know the realities until you get to somewhere. And I think when I was at um, Latham's, I knew quite early on once I started working there that I had this yearning. I think this goes back to knowing yourself. I had this real yearning inside of myself to feed my entrepreneurial nature. And it was a yearning to be at the heart of commercial deals and and be right in the middle of it and I could see that when I was a trainee at Latham that I would probably get the chance to do that but I would get the chance to do that perhaps as a senior associate or as a partner not not as a trainee or as, as a junior and I wanted to be involved right in the heart of business and I didn't know at the time how I was going to do that but I knew instinctively in my gut that that's where I wanted to be um and yeah I, I took a risk I threw myself into entrepreneurial activity shortly after leaving, um, and that then led me to to my next role, which was, you know, at EY, and that was at the very start of, you know, creating a law firm from from scratch, which was exactly, you know, feeding into my entrepreneurial nature. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, you, the process of knowing yourself doesn't stop um, in the career search for a training contract. It, it keeps continuing. And I think being true to yourself and following your, you know, strengths and desires is, is again, um, you know, something that I'd encourage people to do. It can be, it can be scary um, to come off the track that, you know, seemingly everyone else is on. Um, but ultimately, again, it's, it's very rewarding. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you, you mentioned there that you, you ultimately ended up um, in your next sort of main role at EY Legal. And that was at the very, very start of them setting up, wasn't it, as a legal, uh, as a law firm, basically. So what did you, you know, tell us about your time there. And also, what did you learn about, I guess, the business of a law firm? Because as you said, you were right at the start of, of that process. And not many people get that opportunity in their careers, actually. Yeah, it was it was an incredible, incredible opportunity and a really exciting time. So EY um, obtained their alternative business structure license at the end of 2014, 2015. And, and that's around the time that I joined. And it was it was exciting because it was the first time, um, you know, I was part of something where we were creating a client facing legal practice from scratch it was almost like being part of a startup 
but with the benefit of knowing that I was, you know, having the backing of this big consultancy. Um, so it, it showed me, you know, how to, I mean, there were no precedents. We had to create precedents from scratch. There was no training contract. So we had to design that training contract and get the license for a training contract from scratch. Um, relationship building, bringing in business, creating the framework for the business and, and the strategy behind it, recruiting and hiring, building a team. There were all of these, you know, amazingly interesting elements of a business um, alongside providing legal advice and providing corporate legal advice, which is what I was doing. Um, so that that was that was exactly what I needed at the time and exactly what I was yearning for. It was it was um, so fascinating to be part of something like that. It showed me what it takes to really build a legal practice. And then, um, you know, politics happened. We had a referendum in this country about whether to leave the EU or to remain within it. And um, Brexit happened and your next role became came about because of that. So what did that actually involve, Mira? So this was around the time Article 50 was triggered and, you know, this this, this country was figuring out what Brexit was. And um, EY were creating a Brexit strategy unit within the strategy consulting arm of the firm. So not law, um, strategy consulting. And, you know, I was so fortunate enough to be able to be put on secondment initially to that part of the firm and to build um, from from scratch again. Uh, I think this there's, there's again, definitely is a theme I, here. definitely a theme to my career. Um, so to build from scratch again, a um, Brexit strategy unit, which was um, also incredibly exciting and it was allowing me to not only leverage my legal skill set, which was in corporate restructurings and M&A, um, but also to build a new skill set around strategy consulting and, and, and policy um, and economics, which, you know, if I had been in a law firm, I would never have had such a fantastic opportunity. And I think this was really the making of me because it pushed me right into those conversations. I was meeting C-suite executives almost daily around the world, talking to them about Brexit and it was it was just a fantastic opportunity to be in the heart of the commercial decision making of organizations who are facing you know one of the biggest political events um you know the country had faced and how to deal with it and how to grapple with it and and whether they needed to restructure as a result or what kind of strategy they needed to implement as a result so yes it was i and again i think for for your listeners it's again that that was a risk you know I initially went on secondment it ended up being three years of my career and the making of me and and led to me going you know on a promotion to Deloitte so I I think sometimes when you go into these things you are taking a risk but ultimately you're also carving out a niche for yourself that can actually um set you apart and 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 create great things for you so that um that was that was um, a, a great opportunity and and I and I went on a huge learning curve um and met some amazing people in in the process and got to travel the world so yeah so that was that, good yeah yeah and as you said it, it led to you then ultimately moving to tell us about that and and describe to us what your current role actually involves 
So I moved to Deloitte initially to to lead uh, Brexit insights from a legal and regulatory perspective. Um, funnily enough, it was around the time Deloitte themselves were uh, looking to create a, a new legal practice, Deloitte Legal, similar to when EY did it a few years earlier. Um, and what I realized as a result and, and what was becoming apparent was that businesses were restructuring um, as a result of Brexit. So in addition to Brexit, I was also providing restructuring and reorganization advice. And I had done reorg and, and restructuring law um, as kind of my technical expertise, you know, prior to, to Brexit. So it seemed great that I could take my my technical legal expertise from reorg strategy my strategic consulting expertise from Brexit and bring them both together in order to advise clients on the complete end-to-end -end spectrum of reorganizations and restructurings. And, and again, my, I think my, my kind of takeaway for any listeners listening to this is um, always, always kind of bank a lot of the experience that you have um i'm often talking to actually caroline this is a sort of side note i'm often talking to students who come from abroad or llm students or students who've had experiences outside of the law and they wonder you know whether that's actually relevant or whether they can do anything with it and i think there's always relevance in experience that is valuable and you have to find a way to configure that into your career in order to leverage it and take it to the next level and i think i took this unique path which I didn't see anyone around me, no, you know, I didn't see people around me doing Brexit strategy and also being a real lawyer and doing M&A. And I thought, well, let me put these two things together. And I was so fortunate to then be in a position where now I can, you know, lead um, restructuring strategy. So yeah. that's that's what I did. And, and I think you can apply that to to any 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 aspect of of other people's careers if they if they have kind of a multitude of different experiences in their CV. I think that's a really important point to, to emphasise, actually, because it isn't about looking at a job spec and thinking, well, where do I fit? You know, where are the, I mean, the, to a certain extent it is, but it, it's also thinking, well, what have I done? What have I learned from what I've done? What skills are applicable? Because if you're capable of learning new things, you'll learn the content and what's required. Right. But being able to do the job is a little bit different. So it sounds like that's sort of what you're saying there, thinking about maybe backing yourself maybe that's what the key takeaway from this is that know what your strengths are and back yourself with it oh yes absolutely Caroline always back yourself because if you don't who will exactly so. <laughs> yeah um and I realized that you're not in the legal business at Deloitte um but I think you have had this unique experience of being in two of the big four where they have been setting up um, these hugely successful legal entities. And I, in your view, Mira, so not Deloitte or EY's view, in your view, why do you think the big four have been so successful in essentially disrupting the legal market as it was a few years ago in the UK? It's really, because they, they came into it and I think some law firms are thinking, oh, yes, but they're, they're going to be important, but maybe they're not going to be so such of a threat to us and I'm not sure that's the case anymore. So I from my opinion and this is what attracted me when I first joined um, EY right is that the the big four provide advice in a multidisciplinary capacity 
And I think clients more and more are not just wanting legal advice, they are wanting a commercial solution. And they are wanting a commercial solution that not only considers the legal aspect, but considers the tax and the finance and the accounting and the strategic aspects alongside the legal aspect. And I think if you can provide clients with a one-stop shop and you can provide them with holistic legal advice amongst other business advice, I think that is very, very attractive to a client. Um, and hence why it can possibly be seen as, as, as disruptive. I think there are certain parts, um, you know, that that the big four won't go after in the market. Um, but I think, you know, there is there is a whole host of work out there where where clients are looking for commercial solutions provided in a multidisciplinary capacity. Um, and I think lawyers now there's there's a concept of the T-shaped lawyer, Caroline, which I'm sure you know about, yes. you know, and I think lawyers have to be both legal people and business people um, at the same time in order to be the most effective. And I think the big four really provides that environment um, for advice to be provided in that way. Yeah. And of course, we're seeing more of, of the big four um, bringing in training contracts like KPMG have just launched theirs and it's mm -hmm. um, their, their numbers. They're, they're not small training contract cohorts, actually. They're, they seem to be hiring quite aggressively now, which is a good thing for our listeners, right? Yeah, exactly. It creates more opportunity. Yeah. Um, so I at the time when I joined DY, there, there wasn't a trial as part of the team that created the training contract there. So you know, and, um, you know, similarly with Deloitte. And I think I think it's exciting. It gives students um, another option. Yeah. Alongside the, the, the traditional kind of magic circle or US silver circle option. Um, and especially, I would say, for those students who are listening who are um, commercially minded and, and entrepreneurial and want to see different aspects of of advice that isn't just the legal advice, I think the the big four can be a very attractive option. Yeah. So I guess the takeaways is explore all options. I mean, there are, as you said, it, it, it's great. Yeah, and know yourself. And know yourself. Absolutely. <laughs> know yourself and explore all options. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Amira, we've come to our final question, um, and I'm sure you're going to have lots to answer it with. But uh, you know, what advice? do you have for students as they consider, you know, what does a career look like? What should I do? How do I follow it? Because there's a lot of noise in, in social media, online about legal careers. There's lots of activity with employers and that's all great. But sometimes I see students who I just feel quite overwhelmed by it all actually, plus they're doing a degree, plus they're living in London. What advice do you have for them? I get asked this question all the time, Caroline, by so many students, which is why actually I ended up writing an entire book on it. Yes. Because I wanted to share my my wisdom and blueprint with with students. So I can give you some takeaways um, from from my book, actually, which I think might be useful for your for your listeners. I I would say, you know, know yourself, research the market, go in with intentionality. Um, I also think what's really important now is for students to future proof their careers and be mindful of that. What do you um, mean by that? Yeah, what I mean by that is that, 
if you look at where we are going in the world, you know, technology is hugely important and is playing a huge role in the legal sector. I think another aspect is sustainability and um, ESG agenda, for example. And I think for students who are entering the market, I think they should be mindful of the fact that these changing forces are happening in, in, in you know, in, in the legal environment. Um, and also it allows them to position themselves in positions of strength in five to 10 years time. And, and personally, I saw that when I was younger, a lot of, um, you know, people were focusing on data privacy 10 years ago. Those yeah. people are in high, high demand today. Um, similarly with technology and AI. And I think one of the things, again, I, I wished, you know, someone had told me, you know, straight out the gate when I was 18, 19, is is look to the future and know that you are the future and you you can position yourself to to a position of strength um if you are mindful of these things so so yeah know yourself market research future proof um and yeah and don't be and don't be afraid of risk and challenge and and finding yourself in situations that you may need to change so um and 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 always back yourself. I think these are these are all the things that we've been talking about, right, Caroline? So yeah. um, there's there's a whole host of things in my book, but um, these are some of the things that you know I say to students when they ask me because, and everyone has their own path. So yeah. follow your unique path, and you will be successful. I think that that's an absolutely brilliant way to end on it, and something we say regularly to students in careers. Um, you know, no, you know, you will have a unique path and that's absolutely to be celebrated. Um, and I think that's a great way to end this. So Mira, I could speak to you all day, but I, you're a busy lady, so we're not going to be able to. Um, but before I let you go, I want to remind our listeners that we'll be back soon with a new episode of Let's Talk Law. And I know that we're going to be welcoming you back to Kings in the new year to help with our interview and assessment boot camp that we've got in January, February. So we look Thanks. forward to seeing you then. Um, but in the meantime, on behalf of our listeners, thank you so much for joining me today, for sharing your unique journey and, um, and for giving us such a insights into how you know a career in law can pivot into so many different things and um, really do appreciate your candor and giving such advice to our students. Thank you Caroline, thank you for having me.